Welcome to episode 36 of the Digital Fabrication Experiment, a podcast about all things CNC. I'm Winston Moy, and I'm joined by my obscenely busy co-hosts, Eddie Kramer and Chris Lee. We're hobby machinists, and we'd like to bring you into our conversations about life in the shop and topics in making. Good evening, gentlemen. How are y'all doing tonight? Okay. Yep, doing great, guys. So, uh, I guess everyone knows the uh, the topic of our conversation tonight, but uh, Eddie, you had the amazing opportunity to uh, peek behind the curtain at uh, Kern Microtechnic. How was that? It was great. So, um, I kind of hung out a lot at the Kern booth at Emo and got to see their new, uh, the new machine they introduced there, the Kern Micro HD. That kind of got me all excited to know a little bit more about Kern. And I got the opportunity to actually visit Kern in Eschenloa, compliments of Marvin and Kern, and see a little bit of kind of how they put the machines together and some of uh, the thinking that goes into how they design machines. And I also got the opportunity to interview Matthias Fritz, who is their head of R&D and kind of handles most of the machine design there, or his team does. And got a chance to get him on tape. You want to hear it? Yeah, let's do it. Good afternoon, Matthias. Good afternoon. Hi. So um, we're here at Kern today. Compliments of Marvin and Kern. I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about your role as the head of R&D here mm -hmm. at Kern. Um, first, could you tell us, uh, how do you say your full name? Um, my name is Matthias Fritz. Matthias Fritz. Mm -hmm. And you're head of R&D at Kern. Exactly. So what exactly does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> at Kern, we have two business units. One business unit is um, uh, contract working or contract machining. And the other business unit is we build our own machine tools. And um, I'm responsible for the development of the machine tools. And I'm, I'm responsible for the mechanical design, for the electrical design, for the software engineering. And um, we have a special group which is called Precision and they do um, measurement of the machines and calibration technologies. Okay, so how did you first get interested in designing machines? So, um, um, I was I was born in, uh, in Bremen and um, my grandpa worked at um, a, a, a shipbuilding facility and um, they, um, and he was very into um, machines and uh, a lot of craftsmanship and he was the first who introduced me to machining and um, I started um, during my school time to open up my uh, uh, my own shop I did it with a colleague um, of mine or a friend of mine and um, we started to to buy old machine tools the green ones <laughs> mm -hmm. the, the green machine tools and um, broken ones and we start to repair them and we used some of the machines to make spare parts for other machines and then we sold the machines and we tried to keep the the best ones for us <laughs> for our own shop and um, sell the um, the other machines and so we, um, our shop improved and improved and I did um, this with him uh, during my school time and then I entered university and in um, university, I started to um, um, with physics, um, but I did it only one year, and I, I quit it. And the reason was it was um, too far from the application. And I had my own job, and I liked to work with the machines, so I um, 
um, I, I quit physics and I went to um, me mechanical engineering or production engineering. And I started it in, uh, at the um, University of Bremen. And the, um, during that time, I did a lot of um, work with, with machine tools, um, but more with the ultra-high precision machine tools you use on the lab for for telescope um, to make parts for telescopes or um, to um, uh, technologies you use for CMMs and um, stuff like this. And um, on the other hand, I had my own job and I got a lot of experience with these machines, um, more practical experience while repairing them and uh, unassemble or disassemble them and assemble them again. Yeah, and so like so that that was my the beginning of my career as um yeah, as a engineer. Yeah, so you always kind of had a familiarity with actually using machines. You know, yeah, not just design, but you you kind of knew what the uh, I guess like as an operator of a machine. Yeah, where the challenges were. And yeah, exactly. Holding precision. And yeah, you were informed by your university, you know, education. Yeah, that of. that was more the theoretical uh, theoretical side. Mm -hmm. no, um, and I think I was working once in university one day at a real machine tool. The other, um, yeah, all the other lectures and classes was just do calculations and. Um, I learn about the theory, the, about um, the dynamic behavior of machines, about control techniques, um, about error budgets, and to yeah, how to work with the er errors and uh, in, in the machine and what what to do about it. That that was what I learned in university, okay. but not how how to use a machine or right, right. how to put a part in a vice or yeah. something like <laughs> that. This. Was something you were learning on your own, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, oh, very interesting. So. So how did you end up at Kern after school? Yeah, um, during, during my university time, I, I worked with the ultra-high precision machines, and I did also some work with, um, with Philips Applied Technologies, um, and we did um, work for wafer steppers, really ultra, ultra-high precision. Oh, the semiconductor yeah, for Yeah, for mm -hmm. the semiconductor um, industry, and it was um, controlling positioning accuracies for nanometers oh. and um, yeah and and on the other hand I had my own sh own shop and when when I um, looked for for a job I I searched the um, all the companies and I want to find something which, which brings these both parts together to have a real machining with a lot of chips and and um, real material removal and on the other hand the high precision and um, it was in 2008 and I applied at a lot of uh, companies and um, then I, I get a lot of in, um, invites for interviews and the first one was in, um, in Kern and it was far away from my hometown and I thought oh, it's far away and um, maybe, maybe I can try to uh, get some practice in an interview and because I don't want to get that far away from my hometown so I was very relaxed in the interview, and um, the interview went well, and the, um, I liked the people there. And um, yeah, and then I did all the other interviews, and uh, Kern um, wrote me a letter that they want to hire me. 
So I said, hmm, that's far away, but it was the ni nicest interview with nice, really nice people there. So I decided to go um, to Kern and I thought, hmm, it's, I will do it for two years and then I will, uh, I will look uh, for a company which is yeah, closer to my hometown. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I should mention for the Irons, um, Kern is in southern, or southern Bavaria? It's in yeah. Bavaria, yeah. So yeah. It's, that's pretty far from yeah. Bremen. And yeah, it's more than 1,000, no, uh, close to 1,000 kilometers. Okay. So uh, it's been a little more than two years. <laughs> and you've yeah. been here 10 years now, right? Yeah, it's, it, I'm now in my, my uh, uh, close to the 12 years here. Oh, okay. So it, it was because I, um, yeah, there are still nice people here and I like the people really. And um, I have a lot of challenging um, projects here, which are yeah, really interesting. And uh, there's still something new in technology and I can learn in technology. And it's, I really like my work here. Yeah. And um, not running out of challenges. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, uh, Marvin took me on a tour of uh, the two facilities here, K1 K2, which is the um, contract manufacturing and uh, I guess design and assembly is at the main headquarters. Yeah. Um, so Kern to me seems like a very special company. Uh, really, I don't want to say relaxed, but uh, just a, a nice, looks like a very nice place to work. Mm -hmm. um, kind of what's your favorite thing about Kern, either the culture or, or yeah. the company? Yeah, I, th I think we have. Um we are open company. We we like to. We have a lot of people that really like the the work they do. So it's. Um, I think the people here um, have the um, fascination um, to machining or to high accuracy machining uh, or high precision machining, mm -hmm. and um, they really like what they do, and that's that uh, makes a difference. It's not not just a job. To, and you go there because you earn money. It's it's also important to earn some money, but mm -hmm. but um, it's it's more like yeah they they like what they do. Yeah, so it's very very challenging from any level in this company. I would imagine there's you know always yeah challenges <laughs> yeah. and opportunities to grow. Right. So yeah, that's very interesting. Um, so my understanding of Kern is their machine tool builder. Primarily, I mean, ignoring the contract uh, service for a while, um, but very special machines mm -hmm. really focused on high precision. And yeah. You mentioned like you worked in at school, you worked with high precision, ultra high precision laboratory type stuff. Yeah. Um, so it's possible to get ultra high precision or very high precision uh, with the very light machine moving maybe just the laser optics but to actually take a pretty beefy yeah. cut and something <laughs> like mold steel and still maintain high precision yeah. that's a very challenging yeah uh, design goal right for a machine so maybe tell us a little bit about yeah um, Kern's core product philosophy how they kind of bring those two together yeah I think that that's really a challenge to to do this so, so um, on, on the one hand, you have a, a end mill in, in our, um, yeah, in, if you look at our tool changer, you have a, a end mill there and this end mill is like 12 or 16 millimeters. Uh, that is our, that maybe is the biggest tool in the, in the uh, tool changer. And if you look for the smallest tool, it's 
around maybe maybe 10 micrometers in mm. di diameter. And this is a, um, a range, or there's a factor of, of thousand in between. So, and that means also the forces have a factor of 1000 in between. And on the, with the roughing tools, on the one hand, you want to remove all um, the, the material really fast and productive. And on the other hand, you want to, uh, um, you want to reach the um, highest level on, um, on um, precisioning accuracy and highest level on surface finish. And um, when you have a, uh, want to have high, um, high surface quality and high accuracy, you normally um, have lightweight designs, you have um, um, air bearings uh, and uh, linear motors with nearly no torque or no fo uh, force. And we have, um, what we do is we have a, a 15 kilowatt spindle um, and um, there's a lot of heat generation in it and you need, need these 15 kilowatts to remove all the material and on one hand, on, on the other hand, it's um, um, you, you want to reach high accuracy and low um, yeah, um, thermal errors in your machine. And what we do about it is, the, I think the most important thing we do is um, we do a lot of um, things about thermal issues in, in machine tools. And the first thing is to remove the sources of heat from your machine. So that means we use high efficiency motors. Um, we, um, we try to put the, the chillers out of the machines and put it, put it um, out, of the, uh, out, of, out of the shops. And uh, the next thing is you try to place um, the heat sources on, on the most um, intelligent place. So that means put, put the chiller out of the machine um, or out of yeah, and put it just in in, the, in, a, in a work uh, in a hall or outside of the machine, and um, then the next thing is we um, we look for um, uh, structures or a design which is not sensitive um, to um, thermal uh, influences. Okay, so, so materials. So what? Yeah, there there are, um, different ways to do it. One, one way is to um, uh, use a material with, which has a, a low um, uh, coefficient of thermal expansion. And the other thing is like um, is to have a um, thermal um, symmetrical design. That means not to only to have a symmetrical design, also the um, um, heat di distribution or the um, temperature distribution should be symmetrically. Okay. So very uniform temperature, yeah. very little drift over time yeah. through the thermal management. Yeah, yeah. It's done. The, the next step is, is the thermal management. So that is um, um, that we um, try to uh, get, gather the, the heat at the source and um, take this heat with um, coolant and bring it up, bring it out of the machine. And um, <clears throat> the last step is if everything of this is done. The last step is um, to do compensation for the rem uh, remaining errors. Okay. okay. So that so that's some of that software, uh, very high precision measuring lasers. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. There there are two ways to do it. The, uh, one way is to 
um, uh, to do direct measurement. So you put a um, displacement sensor in the machine, measure the, the displacement directly, and then compensate uh, for it in the control system. And the other uh, way is to have a, um, a model for it, a thermal model for your machine. And you do a prediction mm -hmm. with the machine. So you, ta uh, you take um, uh, some values out of the control and then uh, as an input and then for your model. And from these values, you um, calculate or predict um, uh, a displacement and then you do the compensation for okay. this displacement. So um, building the, the high precision machines is, uh, it seems, you know, that's core, that's the core current business. Um, you also have the contract machining center, which um, I'm, I'm assuming that plays quite a big role in yeah. uh, providing input into design. Um, yeah. So what's your, kind yeah. of, how does that work for you? For <laughs> yeah, and the first step they are, they are uh, writing the um, the list of requirements. When we start to design a new machine, they help us to um, to uh, write down the list of requirements. What should be in the machine? What should we improve compared to maybe already existing machines? And um, they also go to to trade shows and and check what um, what uh, what what they can see on other machines, what they like, and maybe they will uh, write it down in the list of requirements. This is the, mm -hmm. the first. Yeah, so, so they're one of your customers, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's <laughs> they, they are they are uh, when we um, have a new product, um, they it's a customer, and the customer will design together with us the machine, and um, he will be um, the first customer and. Um, he will be the hardest customer yeah. you can find. <laughs> they have your number. Right? <laughs> yeah, they they have uh, not only my number; they have also the number of all my colleagues <laughs> and also the number of my boss. <laughs> yeah, and so and if there is um, uh, something uh, with the machine they do not like, um, I will I will get the information very quick and very direct. <laughs> Yeah, and that's, I mean, I think that's really good philosophy because they, you know, I'm sure they have some of the, their customers are giving them probably some of the highest or most challenging work out yeah, there yeah. for uh, precision CNC machining. So um, it's a great way to see kind of a broad cross section of what all the industries need in terms of high precision machining mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, very quickly getting a, a good feedback loop going to influence the next design. Yeah. Um, so the current design is, uh, I guess we were at Emo last week, and I got to see the Micro HD, which is Kern's newest machine. Yeah. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about the HD and yeah. kind of where it fits into the micro line and what's what's new on the HD? Yeah. Um, in 2011, we introduced the um, the Micro, and um, we had a really good market success with with the Micro. And um, the idea was um, to have a platform platform around the micro. So we introduced the, the Pro, which is um, uh, the entry entry product to the micro line. And we have um, and the old um, micro gets in the Vario, which is our um, which is in the middle of the um, um, micro line. It's a very, it's a name various because it's very flexible. We have a lot of options for this machine. Okay. And um, 
on and for the top and for the high end um, customers, we have the um, Micro HD. And um, the design goal for the Micro HD was to improve the um, the already really good um, thermal management of the uh, of the micro. Um, we and um, so we improved the um, the yeah the temperature control system in it. And we introduced and the next design goal was um, to have better repeatability and um, we want to offer the customer uh, a machine which is um, on a highest level on precision and accuracy when when it's new and it should be also on the highest level on precision and accuracy when it's, it is five years or ten years old. So the, And um, the problem with normal machines is that they wear, rear or wear down mm -hmm. and um, and, and, and you lose precision and accuracy. And um, our design goal was um, to have a machine which is stable in accuracy and precision over time. Um, uh, so we um, uh, uh, need to find new solutions for the axis system. And in the linear axis, we use um, hydrostatic guideways and linear motors. And we have no, um, no mechanical rear in the... So no boxways, no. No boxways. It's mm -hmm. it's just a um, it's it's an oil film between the the guideway and the moving component, and um, uh, the, the linear motor. There's only the magnetic field and no um, no mechanical elements in in contact. Yeah, no physical contact. Yeah. Okay. And um, so we're I'm assuming the HD is the most accurate machine Kerner's yeah. made to date. Is yeah. It? Yeah. Okay. Or the most accurate five-axis machine mm -hmm. um, Kern is uh, doing today, and um, what was not in the uh, in the list of requirements but um, came out is if when you use the um, hydrostatic guideways, you have a lot of damping in the machines. So and uh, damping will help um, to uh, to have uh, good surface finish, but it will also help um, to increase uh, material removal rate. And uh, with the hydrostatic guideways, we try to, um, in, in the design or in, in the um, test phase of the, of the new product, we uh, try to find the limits of um, in, in roughing with the machine. And we, we, um, we started at 70% uh, of the old micro, and then uh, no problem. So we go, go up uh, to 100 and mm, still fine. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, we um, increased feed rates, and <laughs> we ended up at at uh, 150 percent of the oh. of the micro. And uh, in special cases, you can sometimes double the the, um, the material removal rates. Is it over the vario? Yeah, over okay. the yeah over the vario, and um, yeah, and this is because of the high damping of the um, hydrostatic um, guideways. Okay. So so we measured it, and in a um, normal guideway, you have um, a modal damping of three, well, uh, three or four percent, and we have a, with a hydrostatic guideway, we have a modal damping uh, up to ten percent or higher. That's uh, really good. So that I mean that all comes together to give you, you can actually get very decent material removal rates. 
um, big cuts and very hard material yeah. with the HD and still not really sacrifice <laughs> the, they're using the really small tools and getting fine finishing, yep. uh, high precision and beautiful surface finishes yep. all on the same machines. That's quite an achievement. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. And it was an extra. <laughs> well, that's really good. Um, I appreciate your time. Is there, um, I think we can probably wrap up now. Any last minute things you, or anything you'd like to say about Kern or, or yeah, that's, <laughs> there's there's one thing I, I would like to um, to tell the audience. Um, we have um, we have a um, student program here in Kern, so um, we we work a lot uh, with students for internship and also for um, bachelor and master theses here in Kern. And if there's somebody who is really interesting in yeah, um, ultra high precision machining and uh, likes machine tools. He is um, invited to uh, write us an application letter um, and apply for for a student our student program here. Okay, that's very great. So any any budding apprentices out there, we will have the contact information in our show notes. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much, Matthias. I appreciate your time. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So Matthias was really interesting to talk to. Um, I mean, he's on a completely different level, but at the same time, it kind of sounds like he stepped into a dream job. Like, he gets to play with some of the coolest toys in the industry all day, every day. Yeah, I think it's neat that, you know, he had that experience of putting, you know, older machines back together and making them work better. So I think that kind of stoked the passion for um, building, like, the world's best CNC machine tools. Which is, you know, but Kern's, Kern's definitely in that top league there. So I also, I toured uh, both facilities. So they have their manufacturing facility, which is where Matthias was. And I think you guys know they also have a, a world-class job shop facility. I think it's the biggest, at least the biggest in Germany, if not the biggest in the world. Matthias mentioned that they started um, as a job shop and then were getting challenged by some of their customers to make parts that they just couldn't find machines on the industry that can make. So I guess that's just a thing in Germany. It's like, Oh, well then we will build our own. <laughs> it's like, that wasn't going to stop them. We'll just, we'll figure it out and build our own machine that can, or, you know, build a machine from the ground up that can meet these, these challenges from our customers. And also just like forging like your own path, because clearly this capability was, was pretty rare before, Kern came around and decided, hey, the only way we can do this is by making our own tools. So, I mean, that's kind of a, a really interesting driving factor behind a company, whereas a lot of companies are like, oh, there's another company in our space that does this. We're just going to jump in and compete because we, we think we have some, some special sauce that'll make us stand out. But Kern legitimately has something cool going on. There's a pretty large ecosystem of machine tool builders, and they all kind of tend to focus on you know, some particular area, either, um, you know, big production machines that can do large material, you know, very high material removal rates and challenging materials. Kern can do that too, but they really focus on uh, precision and accuracy and surface finish. So to get there, you know, listening to what Matthias said, you have to like think about the whole environment, right? Everything's going on, thermal stability, uh, you know, they have their unique management for where by using hydrostatics on the, 
on the hardware surfaces, the rails and the, and the bearings and ball screws on some of the machines. So Eddie, can you explain their lineup a little bit? Uh, their machines, they have a lot of different types of machines and I, I had trouble figuring out like what each machine's good for. I don't know if you were able to kind of clarify that when you were over there. They really kind of have three product lines. They have the entry-level Kern Evo, which is a smaller machine. I think it goes up to five axis. Um, even on that machine, they can still hit surface finishes up under one micron. Um, it's pretty popular in the, I think, in the watch building industry in Switzerland and probably anywhere else. You need like really high high precision uh, small parts, right? And then they have kind of their outlier, or it's an older machine, um, but I think it used to be their top of the line. It was the Pyramid Nano, uh, Pino, same, the one that uh, Nicholas Hackowatch uses, can handle much larger pieces, I think, than the definitely larger than the Evo can handle. Um, like their current product line, I think they're focused on is the Kern Micro line. So there's three machines in there. There's the Kern Micro Pro, which is the entry-level micro machine. Uh, or entry-level machine in the micro line. And that's been out for a while. And then they released the current micro Vario a few years ago. That's the machine that uh, John Grimsmo is getting. And just announced at Emo, or right before Emo, the current micro HD. So that's their new top-of-the-line machine. Um, it's got linear drives, hydrostatics, I think, throughout the whole machine. And uh, it's the one that... Matthias was talking about in the interview. Yeah, that's probably their most accurate machine now. I think that's pretty sure that's more accurate even than the uh, the Pyramid Nano, which was kind of their uh, with the machine they were known for for a long time. So basically, it's like there's an evolution of their machines, and their HD is kind of like their flagship model now. It's like because it's got all the goodies from all the different machines from the previous generations implemented into that one machine. Exactly. I think yeah that. I'm pretty sure that's their most accurate machine they've ever made and um, both surface finish and accuracy and precision all, you know, the whole, the whole envelope is, is probably groundbreaking. Um, there was a lot of excitement around that machine at Emo for sure. There was a big crowd. Uh, you can, you know, it supports automation. I think most of the, I think, I don't want to say, I don't know if all the micro line does. I know the Vario does cause Grimsmo is getting, automation with that. Um, they have the built-in automation and then you can also get the Aroa automation system. Kind of it's integrated with the with the micro line. Yeah, really neat machines for sure. So you know we were we were um I was there I didn't actually make a part. <laughs> it may have looked like that from my Instagram posts, but um I got to watch Marvin make a part. <laughs> yeah, so we uh he basically uh, modeled up a surface finish test piece in brass. We originally were going to try to make my one of my tombstones out of uh, steel just for fun, but didn't quite have the right dimension stock on hand. So, uh, but we found some brass. It was pretty beefy piece of brass. He whipped up a surface finish test, and we ran that in the uh, uh, Kern Micro Pro that was on the hand that the. the HD was still coming back from Emo, otherwise we would have been using that machine. But uh, I was there like the day after Emo shut down. They were still bringing everything back. Um, yeah, that was 
it was just amazing to see how that machine works. Uh, get a chance to watch or you know take a look at the Haydn Hein control, which is uh, it's definitely at the high end of uh, both you know learning curve to master and uh, the capabilities you know that it provides. It has it plays a big role in the accuracy of the machine. I think. Did you get to uh, push cycle start on it? No, I, uh, I don't think anybody gets to touch uh, uh, <laughs> that Haydn Hein button until uh, they've been through their apprenticeship program. But, um, or at least hide, or at least hide and hide training. Yeah, Cause uh, Kern also does, uh, they're like the, a licensed hide and hide training partner. So they do hide and hide training, I think for, uh, I don't, I don't think it's just for current customers. I'm not sure, but, um, they have a pretty big classroom with hide and hide hardware simulators at every desk. That'd be kind of an interesting, uh, way to spend a, a week or two. You didn't do the bowling date move and have Marv put his arms around you while you press cycle start together. <laughs> yeah, I think they, they would have revoked my passport. <laughs> but just being around, you know, just being around the company and and those machines, you know, getting that kind of inside view of it was that was definitely a trip of a lifetime for me. How did the part turn out? Uh, so they were still yeah, so that was interesting. So we did Roughing. So I basically had two days there. One was um, kind of dedicated to doing the podcast and the tour. And then kind of the rest of it was Marvin and I playing around with the, with the uh, pro making that, that part. But even, you know, we had probably two thirds of a day and we had to model it up and, or he had to model it up and everything do the cam. So we didn't have all that much time on the machine. Um, but he got through the, roughing and semi-finishing. And I thought like, to me, that looked done. <laughs> it looked amazing. Um, but he's like, oh no, we're still, I'm still gonna run uh, final finishing. So, uh, but I think that was gonna run like eight hours. So he, he finished it the week after I left. Actually, I forgot to hit him up for the, yeah, the photo of the final thing. I'll see if I can get that from him. You, you know, what's kind of crazy. Like, do you remember uh, when Marv was still working for uh, uh, Daytron? the Kern didn't have an Instagram presence, right? I think they did, but it wasn't very active. And now like they show up and like everyone knows who they are and you know, uh, Grimsmo has been there and, and all that stuff. So it's, it's pretty, uh, I think it's proof that like something as simple as just getting yourself out there, whether it's social media or something, it, it makes a big difference. You know, it's a fairly young company. Um, and like the culture there is very, it's great. Like everyone seems to really love working there. And we were at emo, you know, they were, yeah, I think everyone saw the, the post, the instant machinists were all, um, basically putting their, their shop logos and decals on Grimsmo's. Uh, there was a component there that I think the Aroa cabinet that they had on the HD at emo was really the one that's going to be on John's Vario. So, uh, we were basically decorating it and they were, really great sports about that. So, um, yeah, I think they're, you know, with Marvin's help, they've become very internet and instant machine is savvy. I'm happy about that. I think the community's happy about it. I know a lot more about Kern now that they're, uh, I don't know if I'll ever be a customer, but, uh, they're definitely, uh, a company whose story I now know and respect. So that, that's kind of neat. I think it's working pretty well both ways. So when, uh, you said you and Marv just like, came up with a, a test piece um, basically that week you were there, right? So did you 
like did you get to see his process for like doing cam and stuff because I'm, I'm curious what goes into that because if you're running something for eight hours the calculation time for a program that detailed it, it can't be quick um what are they using and like i'm assuming fusion doesn't cut it here yeah so well interesting uh question so um one of the little side per, side bennies i got out of that trip was uh some free fusion and cam training from marvin <laughs> like watching over his shoulder so he um yeah so actually we started that part in fusion 360 and he modeled it in fusion i think the roughing initial roughing was done in fusion um and then he switched over to power mill to do the semi finishing because that was a continuous fourth axis operation that I, you know that's coming to fusion the basically hold the I can't remember, well, I'm trying to remember the orientation of the machine, but basically just rotating the rotary axis and having the cutter just follow a path. So that was the semi-finishing, two different passes of that. And I don't know what he was going to do the final finishing in. So they, they use Hypermill quite a bit there. Uh, I think that was pretty much their main, and probably still is their main uh, CAM program at Kern. Uh, he's, he's probably, I'd call it experimenting with fusion and with power mill and seeing if those basically have a role to play at Kern, but I'm not sure where they are like officially on, um, doing much outside of hyper mill. Oh, and there's an, I can't remember. They use another, uh, he mentioned another cam program they use that I wasn't familiar with for some of the finishing ops, five axis finishing. So some pretty esoteric cam stuff there. Cause they have some pretty esoteric work that they do, especially in the job shop. But yeah, Fusion can run the machine. It can post to the machine, uh, as can PowerMill. Huh. That's that's kind of cool. Um, I'm assuming like you probably crank up the uh, or make the tolerance as small as possible. And like when I think current, I'm like he must be sending like seven decimal places or something like in the G code or, or more. Yeah, even like on the height and height control, there's an extra digit of, and this is in millimeters, right? <laughs> there's an extra digit on all the axes. <laughs> it's like right right away when you walk up the machine you go, yeah you know this is something different so that was pretty cool so what about uh you said everyone's pretty happy there like are there any like work perks there like i know spacex has a great cafeteria and like what's what sort of life like out there and um can you can you like put your finger on anything that makes uh current special from a, a work-life perspective yeah, so the very first thing you notice when you drive up is the location. You know, in Bavaria, nestled in the Alps, it's absolutely beautiful. Um, like in the U.S., that would be a very odd place to see an industrial manufacturer. You know, they're usually, in the U.S., they're going to be um, in an urban area. Uh, so this is like, well, I mean, that part of Germany, it would be hard to find a place that wasn't pretty, right, to build a factory. But, uh, yeah, so that, like, just the setting and the and the locale is a perk, right? Just by itself, and then current itself, the cultures uh, really seem to be really positive. Um, they care a lot about their employees. You mentioned cafeteria; they have a great cafeteria. I think that was a recent addition to the building. Um, I got to eat lunch there twice. It was really good. They have a chef on staff that cooks, uh, you know, traditional Bavarian food. And see what else. Um, yeah, the and the you know the location, the building was very 
I consider it like super clean. You go in their their assembly floor and it's just like you could eat off that. It's amazing. I think yeah, I think Grimso mentioned that when they were did their tour. Uh, the the floors are painted white, so that kind of actually helps with the culture of keeping it clean. Like you're going to see problems. I mean, if it's dirty, right, you're not going to get away with just leaving it like that. So there's a lot of pride in what they do there for sure at every level. It's pretty amazing. Did you get a chance to uh, explore Bavaria itself at all? We spent two days at Kern. Um, it's upstairs Marvin's guest. And uh, I was staying in Marvin's flat while I was the week I was in that part of Germany. Um, so we were staying uh, just up the road in Garmisch. Um, so Marvin, fantastic host, took me to see all kinds of uh, uh, the sites around that area. So we went up, uh, I want to think it was Kramer Mountain. No, that's not. Um, he's going <laughs> to chastise me because I can't remember the name of the, the peak we went up. But uh, we got to, uh, to go up one of the mountains and see the, the beautiful sights from up there. Uh, we went to the 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 German Museum of Technology in Munich. Spent a full day there. And what else did we do? Uh, oh, got to go to an authentic German beer garden. And uh, yeah, it was really good. I uh, enjoyed just hanging around Garmisch. I got one day Marvin had to go into work and I got to just kind of spend some time by myself walking around Garmisch and wow, beautiful place. You know, it's really a resort town. It's kind of the major ski center for Germany. Could, you could do worse. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a pretty awesome place to live. Yeah. And like at Kern itself, um, you know, so I mentioned I toured the job shop. I toured their kind of assembly and manufacturing area. Um, but I also got to tour their apprentice shop. So they have a, a world-class apprentice program there. I think Matthias mentioned it. Apprentice, they have an apprentice program and... Uh, which is, you know, for the vocational student. And then they have um, uh intern program for, for uh, college students. So I got to walk through the, the apprentice shop. They have a Hermley in the apprentice shop, <laughs> just to give you an idea of what's, uh, you know, what's going on there. It's pretty amazing. And they do, they start with uh, basically, I think like the first thing they make involves a block of steel and files, you know, so you start like from the ground up on principles of, uh, you know, precision and metrology and all that stuff. And eventually you get to the point where you're, uh, trained well enough to go push cycle start on a Heidenhain on a current. So I don't know how long that takes. I'm guessing it's at least a year, maybe two years, three years. That's, that's kind of crazy. Cause that actually sounds like the level of tedium I would expect for a like an apprentice program, which I feel like is something you don't see a lot in the States. It's kind of a state government or government industry partnership on education there. Um, you know, pretty early point in your education, you make your decision whether you're going vocational or if you're college bound. And that kind of determines the next few years of your high school or what high school you go to. And, um, you know, obviously, if you're vocational, you if you're in the trades, right? If you're going into something that involves the trades, you're gonna need to go through an apprentice program to kind of get those skills. And depending on your college degree, you might also have to do an industry partnership to complete your your uh, academic work and get your degree. So, 
yeah, I think it's, uh, it, it, you see that, you know, when you're on Instagram and you see all the, all the German, um, instant machinists, you know, that everyone seems to have a hobby that involves, or, you know, they have machines at home, they build machines. It's just like, seems to be part of the culture there. It's one of my favorite things about yeah, visiting over there. Um, when we were at the museum in Munich, they have a whole, whole hall dedicated to machine tool history and they have some old, old CNC machines or actually, I'm sorry, old machines, you know, going all the way back to like water wheel powered milling machines, um, shapers, all that kind of stuff, all the way up to modern CNC machines. And they all work. They're all maintained. They're all work, uh, working there. And they have some of them like that they'll actually fire up every day and make a part that you see how it operates. So that just seems to be a big part of the culture there. Like I said, it's one of my favorite experiences in Germany. That's uh, super awesome. <laughs> I'm a little jealous. That's very, yeah, that's very, very cool. I mean, I feel like they have a much more, a bigger appreciation for, you know, the mechanical man, um, manufacturing side than I think we do here in the States. I mean, that's that's part of their national identity and like something they take pride in. Yeah, it's something they do very well, probably, you know, they're, world leaders in manufacturing, uh, especially complex high precision machinery and equipment. So, um, and chemistry and everything else. Right. So they take, they don't mess around when it comes to that stuff. <laughs> yeah. So the other thing, just, you were talking about kind of the color of Bavaria. Um, so I was there during, uh, Oktoberfest started the last week I was there. So Marvin was pretty wise in keeping me uh, away from the huge crowds at, at Oktoberfest, but we did, uh, I did get to see like people. So I was on the trains a lot. So I got to see people basically, uh, dressed up in the traditional Bavarian clothing heading to, uh, Oktoberfest. Just seeing that was pretty cool. So it's a big deal down there. Everybody dresses up. <laughs> so, I mean, for the Oktoberfest, I don't think that that's like a year round thing. <laughs> yeah. If you happen to come that week, you, you might think it is because everyone's in uh, traditional Bavarian clothing. Yeah. Lederhosen and uh, that was that was really neat seeing that. Yeah, I didn't get to see Marvin and Lederhosen. I've seen pictures of their Oktoberfest and it, it is a pretty amazing looking compared to the stuff that we have over here. All right, guys. Well, I think uh, we can call that a wrap. What do you think? I mean, you covered pretty much all the questions I had about Kern and uh, I mean, a little bit about a uh, German life down there. So uh, I'm pretty happy with everything. Yeah, I think our next big uh, current fix is going to be when John Grimsmo gets his machine, right? That's going to be, I, I can't wait till he gets it and start seeing him and his learning experience with that and uh, what he's got in mind for what he's going to be making on it. That's true. The learning part is actually pretty big because very rarely do you get to, to see behind the curtain of how um, like someone uses the machine on a day-to-day -day basis. I mean, I don't know how many other people I follow that has a current other than like maybe uh hacker watches so it'll be especially because john is so transparent about his learning process i i'm looking forward to his uh his content with his machine definitely i, I can't wait to see the videos that he's posts about the current i should probably th throw in here um for the folks that don't know um so basically i didn't shoot much video actually i didn't shoot any video inside kern um uh, that was actually done already by John Saunders and uh, John Grimsmo. They were they got to visit Kern uh, earlier this year. And for those that haven't seen it, there's we'll put the link up 
Um, but there's really good footage on uh, NYCCNC of the current tour. And they got to film. They had pretty amazing access, <laughs> behind the scenes access with video camera rolling. Because normally that's a like no video type place. Um, so yeah, there's uh, quite a bit more if you want you know, want to actually see what I'm talking about. You can see a lot of it in uh, the John Saunders uh, current tour. And then John Grimsow posted some stuff too up on his his uh, YouTube site uh, from his part of the visit. I think he was there a day before John was making uh, some Norseman parts with uh, with Marvin on the Vario. I think they were on the Vario, maybe on the Pro. So those those are all really good videos, and we'll put links to those too. All right, guys, I think I'm gonna say good night. Yeah. Until then, we'll have uh, we'll finally be able to talk about what we're working on, which I'm excited to. Uh to share. Yeah, that's going to be good. <laughs> okay, good. Cool. Yeah, thanks guys. All right. Have a good night.